Um, hi, everybody. It's Kim Campbell. I am the second half of the Don't Mind Me Mess. Mind Me Mess? Our no. Mess? Our Mess? Don't Mind Our Mess? It's been like, what, three weeks since we recorded an episode? So I've forgotten. Uh, but all seriousness, um, welcome, Evan. He is not only Cassandra's dear friend, but he is one of my best friend's son, and we have watched him grow up, and we are grateful that he's here today sharing his experience, and I've also told Cassandra she gets to share her university experience, um, because she is attending UBC, or University of British Columbia, uh, Okanagan campus in Kelowna, BC. So when Cassandra and I were looking at podcast topics, I asked if we could talk about mental health and the impacts it has as a university student. Um, It's been 31 years since I started my university journey, and I know there was some trying times and some, you know, moments during those five years that I was at school that I wasn't sure I wanted to continue, some depression along the way due to some family circumstances, and, but that was 31 years ago, and you know the kids these days have a lot more to deal with, and I'd like to get their take on it. So having said that, are you two kind of ready to dive into this conversation? I was just going to say, let's try to get through this episode without either of us contemplating quitting school. <laughs> I'm not contemplating quitting. That makes one of us. That would make but your yeah, mom feel good. That would make my mom feel good? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll let's do that. that. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so welcome, Evan. And I'm just like to say this is our first time doing this live because the last few times we've done this has been virtually because you have been at university. So our listeners know a little bit about Cassandra because this is, I think, podcast number five that we've recorded. So Evan, why don't you take a minute and tell us, first of all, what university you're at now and how you, your journey that you got there. And then we can kind of start hitting you with the meaningful and hard hitting questions as a journalist. You <laughs> should probably be telling me how to do this. Yeah. Is that there's okay? No, there's no right or wrong way how to do it. I mean, there kind of is, but it's okay. Um, so I go to university in Montreal. But um, can we back it up? Okay. Did you start in Montreal? I didn't start in Montreal. Before I moved to Montreal, I, um, sorry, I'm going to take this out, so I'm not, anyway, I went to UB, no, I didn't go to UBC, (laughs) UBC. I went to UVic, um, before I moved to Montreal, I went to UVic for a year for engineering, and then I transferred to, uh, Concordia in Montreal. And have been there for, this is my third year there, I guess. So it's my fourth year of university total and my third year at Concordia Can in my program. I ask what made you switch schools? And my understanding is you went from engineering, is that correct? Yes. To journalism. Yeah. That's a big I, change. <laughs> it is. And I mean, I talk about a lot about it just because people often comment on that. I studied engineering because I, I mean, did well in like STEM courses in high school. And I thought that was something that I was really interested in studying. And when I went to school for it at UVic, I felt very, um, 
I don't know, I felt very uncertain about it and like it was, I wasn't fully committed to it and I felt like my experience at UVic wasn't really giving me enough um, diversity and the program there was very stringent and didn't allow for a lot of room to explore other fields. You had to take like six, to graduate in four years, you had to take like six classes a semester before you could um, graduate, which was a lot, and they all basically had to be engineering credits, so there wasn't a lot of room to explore other stuff. Um, and I felt very, like, I don't know, dynamically trapped, like I was hurtling towards this one thing that I wasn't super sure about. And then I decided to transfer schools because I wanted to explore a lot of other things. I didn't feel like I was getting much of a university experience. It felt very much like another step after high school where I was seeing all the same people and kind of doing all the same things. And I wanted to like switch my life up a bit. Is that partly because just again for our listeners, we live in Victoria, BC. Um, the University of Victoria obviously is here. Um, I know from my personal experience, um, when I went to Okanagan College in Kelowna my first year, I stayed um, at my dad's apartment he had there while he was working, and I didn't stay in residency, mm. and I felt that was a huge um, letdown because it's, you know, residents or living on campus is such a different lifestyle than coming and going from your parents' house. Mm-hmm. I felt it was even though I lived in a different city, I still felt there was a bit of an extension of high school mm-hmm. um, in that aspect. And then also for me, it made it harder to meet people in Kelowna because I wasn't on res. Um, was that part of it, like when you were at UVic, that because you were still living at home, you felt like that was the, that extension of high school a bit because you did know some of the kids and coming home, to you know childhood bedroom and everything at night yeah that was a big part of it was especially because of like driving to uvic or commuting to uvic and stuff like that i would basically go for my classes and then immediately go home like i didn't get a lot of the campus life or anything like hanging around and and stuff like that and i also was kind of like not in love with my my program at the time and so it just really wasn't like the experience um, that I wanted to get out of mm-hmm. university and I think I was looking for like a little bit more um, independence and at the time I felt like I like knew Victoria really well and it wasn't um, I don't know now I appreciate it a lot more but at the time I felt very like bored by it I guess and so I wanted to go someplace new and I think experience that's something fairly different. normal like yeah. you lived in well, you lived most of your life here. Mm-hmm. You have, Cassandra, up until the time. Informative you... years. Yeah, right. So um, I know the, the same thing with me. I, I grew up in Nelson, loved Nelson, loved my parents, my family. But I could not wait to get the hell out of Dodge mm-hmm. just to experience something new, to create new experiences, have new adventures. And I know that was very much what led you to going, like, from the time you hit high school you were like UVic was not even you applied but it wasn't really on the plate oh I remember there was a teacher at Belmont that 
in, in and around grade 10, he said to me, oh, in a few years when you're at UVic, and that made me so upset, like it made me mad, because I was like, why are you just assuming that's like the natural trajectory? There's nothing wrong with that trajectory at all, but it almost like fueled my anger to like not be in the Victoria Langford community, and even as I was t speaking to someone else recently, I said to them that part of my motivation for going to school outside of Victoria wasn't even necessarily like academically driven. It's not because like UBCO had this like far superior program to UVic XYZ. It was merely because I just wanted to change a pace. Yeah. Like, I I'll be honest with you. When I was looking at schools, I wasn't looking at like the academic reputation and the professors, the resources. I was looking at who had the best communities, who had like the best clubs. Like I was looking for more of a change of lifestyle. And in hindsight, that's not really like how you should choose your university, but just kind of like. But how. I think that speaks to the 17 year old applying to school. A lot of them will be looking at academics, but a lot of them will be in the same boat you were that you just wanted a new adventure and new people and, you know, to experience something above and beyond your local community. Oh, I a hundred percent viewed it as an out. Yep. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I don't even think there's that. And universities in Canada aren't quite, I don't think are the same as the States where there are, there aren't that many tiers of like mm -hmm. level of academia. There is a little bit more for like your graduate programs, but I yeah. think most undergrad programs, especially unless you want to do something like really, I don't know, advanced, like specialized or like business or like engineering and stuff, then maybe there's a little more separation in like the quality of your programming. But like, especially for your undergrad, I don't think there's that much difference among the quality of education. I don't think it's as drastic as it is in like the States. Like there's a few schools like UBC and U of T and McGill and Queens maybe that have like a really good, big reputation for being like huge academic schools, but it's, I think the stuff you should focus on is almost yeah. more the community 100%. stuff and what kind of university you're going to have there. Because the content of your courses isn't that drastically different. Well, I know, and we will kind of jump into the more mental health piece in a few minutes, but I think it's important to kind of lay down the groundwork and how you guys got to where you were. Um, I know three years ago in January, we actually did a tour. We you'd already obviously knew what UVic looked like. You had been to the Vancouver UBC campus. So we hit uh, Simon Fraser University and then drove up to UBC Okanagan and Kelowna. And I think that trip alone really solidified the community you wanted to be in because being a Simon Fraser, even as a parent, I remember one of the classes they got out and we were in the middle of the hallway and it was overwhelming for me as a parent being in the middle of these hallways when the classes got out and there was just thousands of kids walking around. And I'm like, wow, like, I'm not sure this is a good fit for you for other reasons as well. Yeah. And then when we hit Kelowna on the campus in Kelowna, it felt more like I think right away we both felt like, oh, this is more me or yeah. more you to speak. Yeah, to I that. was like, I was talking to someone, I think a friend of Megan about the difference between the two campuses recently and the main difference I find from speaking with people at the Van campus and the Okanagan campus is just there's more of a community 
at the Okanagan campus because it's a lot smaller, the campus is a lot smaller, odds are you've had multiple classes with one person, you become a lot closer, it's not just a one-off relationship like most bigger campuses, um, which is, I'll like stand behind the fact that first year was the best year of my life. Even and though COVID hit. And then COVID like ruined that, but it's fine. Um, but first year was definitely the best year of my life, and that's partially because of like the community that I was able to be a part of. Would you say that like your first year, like how does your first year at Concordia rank with some of your best life experiences? It was great. Like I, it was amazing. I love living on campus. Um, we lived on like my school has two campuses, and one is in a little bit more of a residential area, and the other one is um downtown which makes it kind of weird like when i switched schools i did switch for the program and kind of the city that i was going to be in were the two things that i looked at the most rather than like the quality than just the campus and stuff like that so i think concordia sort of lacks a little bit in um maybe some of the campus life activities but then it's like built right into montreal and stuff like mm-hmm. that which is sort of like I don't know, it kind of feels like the whole city is a student campus, honestly, because yeah. there's, like, there's, like, five major universities in Montreal. Like, three of them are French, but... Dude, nightlife in Montreal sounds insane. I want to go. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> As they are crazy. both smiling ear to ear, because like, yeah. that's really the important part is... <laughs> Make sure when you're looking at universities, you check out nightlife. Night. It's very important. <laughs> yeah. Well, but was... I think it is. The social piece of it is a huge piece of going to university right yeah like i sort of like it's just such a good student city that like the things that like maybe my campus specifically lacks in like the rest of the city makes up for it Mm. um but no i love the experience of living in res and that was like super rewarding and it's a very interesting like good step to like moving out on your own more because Mm, it's like you have a lot more accountability than you do when you're living at home because you have to like do your own laundry and be accountable to like when you have to go to classes and do all that stuff and like run your own life. But like if like I had like a meal plan and stuff, so I didn't have to worry about like cooking meals and stuff for mm-hmm. myself yet. And it's sort of was like this gradual like a natural progression. progression. Yeah, because now like I have an apartment and stuff, and now it is like all that th- all those things I have to do on my own and like cook and stuff yeah. like that. But then you know even now like still being at university i'm not completely moved out because like i come home for the holidays oh i would say though like i would consider both of you moved out oh i consider myself moved out just to be very clear cassandra considered herself moved out of our house in victoria lake she comes home to visit (laughs) you did stay away from us it's It's, not my house it's your childhood home Yeah. yeah um that kind of brings me to the fact that even though Evan, you graduated a year ahead of Cassandra, you both left Victoria at the same time. Yeah. Yes. So you both started your, you know, experience living away from home, going to two new universities at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember going, you know, that year ahead of that grade 12 year, I was always saying to Cassandra, really, it's up until at least Thanksgiving that it takes you to find a little bit of a groove. It takes you kind of that until that six weeks to meet some people that you feel somewhat connected to, that you kind of get a rhythm with your schedule. 
And it can be overwhelming. So from your guys' perspective, that first year moving away, you two living in a different province with, you know, their primary language, not English. What, like for both of you, what was the biggest mental health challenge that you felt like that first semester before you came home at Christmas? I mean, a lot of the time for me, it was just like wondering if like I had made the right choice and stuff like that, more so academically than moving because all of that, like I really liked. I, um, it was just, I mean, academically, it was such a huge switch for me because I was like in STEM and I was in the, well, yeah, so like I was studying engineering and all my courses were math and science courses. And then suddenly I was taking a bunch of courses that were about like writing and um, and journalism, like some like audiovisual stuff. And I took a bunch of other stuff too as a requirement of my program. I'm required to take another minor or major. And the one that I'm doing now, it's like um, in the geography department. So that's a lot more like traditional, whoop, like, whoop. yeah, mm-hmm. academia stuff. I like it a lot. It's really interesting. Um, and so that's cool. But for me, it was definitely like I dealt a lot with wondering, like, if I had, yeah, just if I had made the right choice, because especially my whole life up until that point was really, like, if I'm capable of doing calculus classes and doing well in them, then I should go to a, into a program that is, um, based in that, and, like, maybe has, at the end of it, has the potential of a career that's more certain or pays more or whatever, and sort of, for a lot of my life through high school and through my first year of university, I had a lot of trouble seeing the value in any other kind of program. I was feel like I was sort of like taught through my education to feel like it's more of a waste of time and money and things like that. And yeah, and I mean, I'm not really someone who likes to make decisions that are entirely money driven. Um, it doesn't really sit well with me. So like that is why I switched and that was really weird for a while and then there was the element of just living on my own at a new place where I didn't speak the language at all mm-hmm. especially because that was a big thing yeah that they speak French because I always you knew, don't <laughs> I don't I don't um and it's also I thought there were going to be a lot more people in my program who are in the same boat as me who didn't speak French and were going to learn when they got there and that was not the case oh. at all like there were like there's like a handful my program's pretty small in the first place but I only met like two or three kids who mm-hmm didn't speak French going into it, and there is a French requirement for my program. Mm. Have you picked that up fairly easily? No. no. I'm, horrible. I'm horrible at French. So no. I want to circle back to the comment you made in terms of, like, high school. You were kind of guaranteed if you stuck with engineering, like, you would end up with this probably a decent-paying job. And, and I remember, though, like... Oh when you were kind of going through that process hearing that you were struggling going back and forth you know between more the the science part of it or heading towards the arts part are you finding and what i really enjoy about your guys's generation is you really do value feeding your soul like there is value to saying no like this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to end up going to do. And I know I can't make a living. Am I going to make $500,000 like a 
you know, an architect or a doctor here, maybe not, but do you find that the work you're doing, and I haven't read any of your work, I maybe heard it's good though, mm-hmm. that might be uh, one opinion that I hear, but she's always very um, open about being critical or not critical, and do you feel like you're feeding your soul and you're, you've made the right decision now that you're in your, like, technically going into your fourth year? Um, no. You not, don't not, feel yours? No. I, don't, I don't know. I'm like, I also chose to do, I chose to do journalism, not just be, part of the reason because I wanted to do it was because I had worked with um, a woman uh, the summer before I went to UVic who owned like a little paper around um our area and i just um she spoke at my school and was like i'm always looking for like help and stuff like that and so i like emailed her because i thought it sounded really interesting what she was doing and so i did a bunch of like kind of like freelance like photography stuff for her over the summer and i would go around to just events um and take photos she would pay me almost nothing next to nothing for them but she did pay me and that was really cool and then I got some cool opportunities like going to a uh, cabinet retreat with the cabinet of you know Canada and Trudeau and stuff like that and that was like a private media event and I thought that was really cool and so I went and did that and so that was something that I'd like thought about and considered a lot and I saw journalism as a way to keep a lot of doors open for myself and study a bunch of the other things that I was interested in, like um, filmmaking and photography and writing and all of that stuff, but giving it more of a practical spin, I suppose. And I knew that there'd be a lot of work available to me in communications and, you know, um, audiovisual production stuff, which I'm like still somewhat interested in or filmmaking or all that stuff and then lots of kids who are in journalism end up going into law school and things like that so that's very common so I just I just picked something that I thought would give me the opportunity to do a wide array of things because that was my whole issue with the studying engineering in the first place was that I felt very stuck and like I could only study this one thing and I wasn't able to like diversify as much as I wanted to and that is why I really like journalism, because if I'm like, my assignment is to go write a story about whatever, I can make it about whatever I want, and I can dip my toe into like different areas of things. So like I've written about um, international affairs and then music venues in downtown Montreal struggling with like the pandemic or governmental policy, university policy tons of different things i made a documentary about surfers and the river and stuff like that over the last semester so i like it because it just gives me the freedom to go like learn about different things and sort of dip my toe in different communities and stuff like that and i don't know if it's going to be what i do forever but i enjoy doing it right now and i i find it very fulfilling and i really like working with my school's paper as well which i've also started doing it sounds like you're being able to fill that creative outlet that you've always had Mm mm-hmm a bit. Um, so Cassandra, from you know that first semester that you went, what do you feel like was the biggest mental health challenge for you? Um, if I'm going to be honest, I look back on that semester as being like, I don't have much negatively to look back on and like resonate with. 
So if I were to pick one thing, it would probably just be like adjusting to being away from my family was probably the hardest thing. But I was super lucky that like the people of my residence were good people, like super supportive. I felt like I had a family living with mm. me despite the fact that it, I wasn't living with my actual family. So I didn't, I feel like the adjustment was pretty smooth. So I remember one conversation near Thanksgiving, it was either before or after you came home, you phoned and I think you were getting ready for your first set of midterms. Right. And you had said, you like, and I'm going to call my daughter out, like she was a studious high school student and she, you know, academically very strong, always put in the work, showed up. But I remember you saying like, I don't know how, like you didn't feel prepared. Even though you had all these studies skills and you worked hard, you felt like you were not prepared or you, uh, high school yeah, did not prepare you for the level of work required to get the grades you were used to. And you guys kind of all learned too that you know, being a straight A student in high school did not it translate, translate into being a straight A student at school all the time. Well, like even Evan and I have talked about this in the past about how we felt like our high school academic experiences did not meet up to what the expectations were going to be in post-secondary um and I actually was getting like my school supplies and I texted Evan and was like what do I need (laughs) what do I buy obviously not a binder and so it was just no one tells you what a syllabus is beforehand. I remember in my first class, I looked over and I had to like nervously ask what the Wi-Fi password was to the girl sitting next to me. And she looked at me like I was an idiot. And like, just no one tells you that there's going to be assigned readings that you're expected to do and that there's Canvas, which is just like an online Google Classroom, like a university's version of Google Classroom. Some universities use Blackboard. No one tells you what that is, how to access it, how to like access your books, how to do, take notes, like what's important to read, what's not important to read. Like it was, I'm still figuring it out, but I remember those first few months, I stayed up and read for about three hours for a quiz that was worth 5% of my grade, then in hindsight, I didn't need to do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? So do you wish there was like, I know you had your welcome weekend because we brought you there. We dropped you off. And I know there was events planned for that. But that felt more like, here's the cafeteria. Yeah. It was more about building some connections. It was more like welcome to summer camp opposed to welcome to post-secondary school. Yeah. They do make it feel like that. Summer. The first week at univer- at like university, both at UVic and at Concordia, was definitely like, especially when I was living in Res as well. They were like, it felt like it was summer camp. It yeah. felt like it was fun. It's like everyone's I, living here together I, and honest, it's weird. And it, it feels like such a scheme, doesn't it? Like for the first week, it's fun and then it hits you like a brick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does. It does. But I just didn't feel like at high school especially, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, I didn't feel very challenged. I wasn't, like, I was expecting my grades to drop, but I wasn't expecting them to drop the way they did. And I don't think I was prepared at all, like, to take the exams, to take the notes, to do the readings, to, like, understand, like, pay, have attention, like, be able to pay attention for 90-minute lectures. Like, I don't think I was prepared for any of that in high school one bit. 
Would you agree? Um, I mean, yes and no. Like, I don't think a lot of stuff in university didn't prepare me as much. I mean, I took one course in university that I, like, received, or in university, in high school that I received, like, college credits for, and that helped prepare me because we had, like, a prof from Camosun come and teach us. And that was when I was, like, I, take, I was taking math of 100, which is, like, a university math course. And... I never really related to, um, I mean, we were saying, we're like, I don't think that things came very naturally to me in high school. I wasn't just like cruising to get 90s and stuff in my classes. Like I definitely studied and I put a lot of work into school and I've, in most things I've done, I've never found myself to be naturally gifted in one area. I've often thought that I had to like work for things and I think I kind of like knew that about myself going mm -hmm. into university and I knew that and it was definitely harder than high school but I kind of think that I knew that it was going to be but I was never one of, I don't think I was ever in some classes maybe I was and more so than other people I definitely like did well like I got good grades and stuff but I wasn't always one of the people who like rolled over and wrote a test and got an A in high yeah. school like that was I that was never me. Yeah. yeah, and so like I definitely had spent a lot of time doing that. My grades definitely took a hit when I went to university, but there's also a totally different scale for grading things, and everything is totally different. And I, I don't know. I feel like I had a little more of a transition into it from high school. Yeah, I think so. Like I felt okay. I did not. Yeah, well, it's fair. I, I don't. I don't think most people do. Like, I think I'm more of a unique, uh, maybe case. I guess. Like, I, I'm gonna take a step back in terms of like I know we do are much more. Um, I think open-minded now about you know university is one avenue to take. There's also trades. There's a lot of other you know certificates and diplomas. Like I, when I went to university, there was just a lot of go to university, go to university, go to university. But I feel like now people's minds are opening up a lot more to say there's a lot more post-secondary options. University's not for everybody, and I would agree with that. And I know particularly since Camosun does have a very good trades program that I find here that we do hear a lot more about the trades because Camosun has got such a strong trades program. But to be fair, not everybody should go to university. It's not their jam. Yeah. Or, or would not suit them well. <clears throat> or serve them well, is what I would say. Yeah. I mean, most of the kids who I talk to, I mean, in terms of the Eastern Canada thing, like, they're all kids in university. So, like, it's harder for me to say. But I definitely, I feel like lots of the kids who I meet are come from entire... I feel very, almost like I'm... Um, an anomaly being one of the few kids who just went to a regular like high public high school like especially so many of the kids who i know in res were in like um ib programs um, what's an IB? ib program is international baccalaureate i think that's how it, yeah. what it is and so so many of the kids i know did that and it, that is basically like a form of high school that uh, it's like a standardized curriculum across 
the world. So it's like if you take an IB program in Canada or in Hong Kong or in France or in Abu Dhabi, it's the same curriculum. And the reason for that is, I think a lot of it is so international students can go to school pretty much wherever they want because most universities will recognize that education and because it's a standardized thing it's like if you're from france you can apply to a school in montreal and they can look at your grades the same way that they would look at someone else from who was at ib in montreal Mm -hmm. or at ib in the states or something like that and it's just give kind of levels the playing field but it's also a little bit more difficult and a lot of those programs are introduced at private schools and it is IB kids tend to think that the IB program is more difficult and more challenging than regular um, schooling as well because it's so built to send kids to university. Mm -hmm. And then I met kids who went to private school and just who had entirely radically different upbringings than I did, especially in terms of like their education before university. In Quebec, the whole system is entirely different Mm -hmm. because they have uh, CEGEP, um, which is basically like... Um, basically like a college, um, like you go to only go to high school until grade 11 and then most kids go to SEGEP and you can go for anywhere from one to three years and you sort of pick a program that you want to study maybe in university and you study something in SEGEP and then it sends you to university mm-hmm. and it actually takes, can take like a year to two years off of your university time because lots of credits transfer over from SEGEP. Um, and so it's just very different school systems and a very different like crop of kids who I met who are going to university like it definitely felt rare to meet some someone who was like me who is just like went to a regular public high school yeah and then went to university it feels like there aren't as many kids like that in university maybe I don't know did you find that you had the same experience oh 110 percent like and I think part of that is like um because maybe I was in residence and a lot of the people who are in residence are international students who have done IB and XYZ. But to go back to the whole high public high school aspect of it, you know, I didn't have to cite a single thing until high school. So High school or university. Or sorry, university. I didn't have to cite a single thing until university. Um, the requirement was to leave a link and your bibliography and that was it and that will not cut it that will get you like expelled (laughs) at university so yeah it just didn't feel like it added up and I felt very much two steps behind my peers who did go to private schools who did go to IB and it was like trying to do the same work with less tools do you feel though like the playing field is more level now like come third year like I feel like it's level now but also like they I don't know if it would be unfair for me to say but they had I think in people with IB or private school education I think they had an upper leg to begin with I think they're more they're just in programs that are more focused on getting them to universities and making you be successful in universities and I think a lot of regular public schools like let's get all these kids to graduate yeah and then they can they can figure it out I think the kids maybe more like us who make it who go through those things and then decide that university is something that they really want to do hopefully um take more of the time to uh I don't know 
I don't want to say like prepare themselves because like lots of lots of kids don't, but like maybe are more capable. I don't know. But I yours here a bit um, because you were both at away at university when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. We brought you home. I remember, you know, flights being arranged to get you back home. You guys both finished your year like everybody else um, in the world, doing exams in our living room. Um, and then part of it is that article I was reading, I think it was in McLean's magazine, but don't, you know, hold me to it. Mm-hmm. Cause I read a few articles last night, but it was basically saying like now that even with COVID hitting, it's kind of opened things up to say like the student stress is to like, okay, I have an exam but I literally had the flu for three days. Like, take COVID out of it. I mm-hmm. was literally sicker than a dog with the flu. I have an exam. And what you have to do to prove that you were sick to get an extension or not write that exam or hand that paper in so you don't get, um, you know, a zero on the paper. Like, that's starting, some of the universities starting to say, like, yeah, look, we need to have a better mental health plan in place because, you know, if the kids are sick or something is going on and they can get a doctor's note to say, yes, this is it, we can give you an extension. The stress of meeting all these deadlines when, you know, life happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the universities causing so much stress. Like, one of the um, quotes, statistics I saw was like 67% of university students feel anxiety and stress pretty much the whole time. I can second that. Do you think that is because, well, I don't know if our listeners know, but you do have generalized anxiety disorder. True that. So do you feel like that's kind of baked into who you are? Or do you feel like even the friends that you have there who aren't diagnosed, that they operate at a certain level of anxiety because of all the deadlines and everything that they have to miss? Even if it was like, I came down with a stomach flu and I literally could not study and yet this exam is worth 40% of my mark. I mean, I worry about that a lot actually because of like the migraines I get. Yeah. And I'll be honest, during final season this semester, I think 60% of my stress was, like, normal academic stress. The other 40% was do not get a freaking migraine before your exam. Because if you get a migraine the night before your exam, you're up in the hospital till 3 o'clock in the morning, your professor is not going to care. And there goes your, like, four months worth of work down the toilet. I don't know what the protocol is. I think they leave it up to the professors individually. But that's a lot of stress to put on a student who, like, their health at the bottom line. Well, at the end of the day, too, migraines can be brought on by stress. So here you are trying to mitigate having a migraine by getting stressed out about not getting a migraine. That was such a, like, I was ODing on Advil for, like, three days. Because I was like, if I get ahead of the game, I'm prepared. And you're not the only one. Like, there's going to be so many students throughout university you know in the same boat you are a similar boat in terms of managing medical like mental health or physical health Mm -hmm. right it could be something else that they're dealing with yeah and if our universities 
are so stringent and like, well, this is the deadline. I'm not saying they are. I don't know enough about it. I do know that it has come to light that from a Canadian perspective, like from the Canadian Mental Health Council perspective, universities have to start looking at their mental health protocols because too many kids are either dropping out because it's just not worth it or should they even be, do they even need to be dropping out if we have better systems in place to help support them through this challenging times? And some people might turn around, well, that's the whole point of university. Well, is the only whole point of university is to kill them, literally, in some cases, or is it to give them the skills and the knowledge to go into the workplace to be successful, be contributing adults in the world? And if you get a migraine and you can't show up, is that really measuring what you know or don't know because you've gotten sick? I don't know if this is me just being cynical, but I think, again, I think it's very dependent on your professor because some really care, but on the other hand, some really don't. And I honestly think that in some cases, professors do not care that you're sick, do not care that you can't show up to the final because A, less work for them be less competitive of a field i think like evan said it's almost like weaning out the week in a certain way and if you can't show up and you can't perform i think they view it as you just not being capable of keeping up but do you like do you both feel like that's because i know both of you and maybe i am biased but i do know you put in the work and i know a lot of kids put in the work they show up this is meaningful to them and do you feel that just because life happens that you should be punished like and I'll call it out straight there is kids who will be screwing the pooch at university that's just how it is like I get it they're there for the wrong reasons not the right reasons but for the kids who are genuinely there because they want to put the time and effort in? Like, do you feel the systems at like both of your universities support trying to do the best for the kids, both academically, physically, and mentally? Or do you feel there's a gap there from a me- and of course this podcast talk, you know, is a focus on mental health. So I that's kind of why I'm bringing it up. Well, I think the it's I mean, I think it's a pretty tricky thing in some cases because Universities are so big and profs have to deal with so many um, students and they don't get the uh, one-on-one time or the time to build relationships with students at all. So it's kind of like if you are a student, you know, some, some sections of a class are 200 kids and then there's multiple sections and like one prof ends up having to manage lots of these kids or something if you're a prof you just get some message from like a student who you've never even met before being like i have a migraine i can't write the exam it's kind of i don't know it's like just tricky because you don't want to instill like a precedent that you can that anyone can just say such things to get out of writing an exam even if it's true because kids will do that a hundred and ten percent and I think that's why it's tricky to, like, manage those things. I don't, and I... Do you think there's room, though, that these universities can 
do a better job of supporting mental health? Yeah, well, a hundred percent. I mean, the exams and like mental health overall are like an inch. I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard. And I feel like it's very um, counterintuitive in a way because, like, they, I think they care into some capacity. Otherwise, they wouldn't be investing resources. Well, I think of the DRC, right? Like, I, yeah, like the DRC is great. The Disability Resource Center, they're great. Um, I think they do care. I think they otherwise they wouldn't be investing those dollars into it. Um, but I think when the bottom line hits, their business and their mm. job is to produce, you know, students who hit the workforce and represent their business well. So I'm gonna circle back to the pandemic. I don't think I don't think profs care about that at all. I don't think profs care. Profs are not interested, for the most part, in. I think the careers that their students take on after university for the most part, I think, I mean, it's different from prof to prof, but I I don't think overall it's that like money and reputation driven. Like most of the prof, most profs at university are employed by the university and conduct their own like research and do all of their own work. And that's their focus. And that's why lots of them don't care because teaching classes is a like, um, like subsidiary job of that like they're there to do research for the university and as employed by the university they'll like also take they'll also Mm. be asked to teach classes most profs their full-on job is not just lecturing well what i mean the university like the institution oh the university yeah well the universe the institute yeah that's different like i think profs like can either make or break that experience for a student i understand they're busy people they're there to do research they have you know hundreds of students potentially i can understand and appreciate you know them wanting to manage their time because mm-hmm. that like you said at the end of the day they're probably not professors because they want to be a teacher they're probably professors so they could conduct research and that's fine i can understand and appreciate that but it's a matter of like um i think my point moreover is just really it really sucks when you got stuff going on and you're professor almost looks at you like a number just well i think to that point though and i know i've said this all along to you in particular to you but because i felt that with me when i was there is the value or the importance of taking the time to connect with your prof yeah right especially if there is things going on in your life like that you have and um, other kids have uh, or students I don't want to say kids but students in terms of showing up to their office hours so you know making those connections so if something does go sideways they're like oh I remember I know who Cassandra Campbell is I think you go by Cass at school but (laughs) um so they there's a face to the name and they're seeing that the time and energy is being put in and that's not just saying it's you're using them, but the value of those, like you said earlier, Evan, those connections, right? If you never show up to a talk to the professor and he, to your point, you're a number, there's no meaningful connection there, no. right? Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I, that's part of why, I mean, maybe what I was talking about earlier, what I was trying to get at earlier was that like, in terms of managing mental health and improving students' mental health, I think a lot has to be done 
outside of just around exams because exams are going to be stressful and mm. like students are going to have breakdowns and get migraines and things. And that's why those resources have to come like, I think long before exams to teach you how to like prepare for your exams and how to do all of these other things, because we can't just like put all the mental health resources at the very end for students to like postpone exams and things like that. Like I think a lot more has to be done to give people the tools to manage the stress that comes with exams when you're doing it and leading up to it because like if if, if If exams are stressful and if you get like if you get a migraine and a bunch of students have migraines then i i mean i do think it really sucks and like exceptions should be made in certain cases but like i don't necessarily think the exams themselves should be made to be not stressful no like i understand like the nature of exams is just going to be stressful no matter what and like Life's stressful. I think it honestly, to some capacity, exams is a good way to like learn for you to learn how to cope with that kind of pressure mm-hmm. in one way. But if you you're talking about putting more preventative measures in throughout the semester, what would that look like? I don't know, <laughs> really. But like, I mean. Um, more access to like counseling services or like studying help services that, um, you know, are even use- easier to use for students. Cause I know they like, they exist at my school, but I'm not really sure how to access them. Mm-hmm. I think that information should be distributed by the profs more often. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of more of like my school, like giving students a fall reading break is one thing because the fall semester kind of like once you hit October is like a marathon, um where you just like i had like midterms and tests and assignments due basically every week from the middle of december right up until my exams there was like no break for anything to give me any time to study um so so just um concordia does not have a they don't have a fall reading reading we do as of as of this semester a lot of yeah i think like access to like counseling services and like study help and like i don't know making profs more available is a good thing um it's like it's interesting i find how um i like evan and i or no it wasn't evan and i someone else and i were chatting about how you go into like first year and you're super excited to be there and everything and don't get me wrong I still love UBCO I'm like I think it's a great school and I've had for like the most part really positive experiences with the institution and the professors but as you go through the motions and go through the years like my RA told me in first year you're gonna learn to hate the school because of like mm. how like the decisions impact mm. your life and impact your mental health and you know there's nothing you really can do about it and that's some part of like le- releasing control of that situation but well, i think to that that if you want to continue being part of the academia am i saying that correct yeah you need to comply with yeah right mm-hmm. and i know you guys were both very driven to go to university do you still enjoy it do you still are you still glad you made those decisions as opposed to like taking a year or two off and then going like or I think 
for me at least, my experience is very contingent on how well I do, and that's normal. That's expected. That's you, though. That's expected. I think most students would agree with that. But what's concerning with that is the amount of um, value you place on doing well. Like, for me, for the longest time, getting a bad grade felt like an end-of-the-world scenario. I don't know if you felt the same way. Um, I used to. I, I kind of gave up on that a really long time ago honestly because for like two reasons my mentality for a long time was especially you get good grades in high school to go to university and then you get to university and you know everyone says like c's get degrees and all that stuff and i want to get good grades i want to do well but i don't place as much of my own um self-worth on them as I used to because I try to be much more cognizant of the fact that there are a lot more things that are important Mm. and there's a lot of other things that you can do to make yourself valuable outside of your grades and can you say when you say make yourself valuable like do well Cass and I were talking about this the other day we were talking about the perspective of like going to a law school or something like that and I said that this semester I was trying to because in the last last year I lost a lot of motivation with things being online and actually before I say this my other thing reason that I don't get as stressed about my grades anymore is going from engineering um, which is like STEM science math physics very difficult all that stuff to journalism it is a lot less it's a lot less stressful and i it just has given me such a perspective on school where i feel not that it's easier because it's hard it's hard in a different way there's you're just asked to do other things but i don't feel the same level of stress and the same pressure all the Mm -hmm. time that i used to and i i don't know i feel capable and i try not to like put all of my bury all my self-worth in my grades as for what the other thing I was going to say, we were talking about this and the perspective of like going to law schools or applying to law schools this semester. I said that I was going to put more work into, I wanted to get back to focusing on doing better in my classes because I felt like I wasn't trying as hard as I could have. I was still turning out pretty good grades, but I felt like I wasn't putting as much effort in. And I was like, maybe I could get myself back up to being more of a A, A plus student all the time if I applied myself a little bit more. And I kind of tried to, and I didn't quite get there this semester as much as I wanted to. My grades were fine, but then I also remember that part of, like, I also have a government job, and I'm an editor at our school paper, Mm -hmm. and my mentality with doing those things is those things are valuable to me as a student and making me look good when I go out to apply for jobs or careers or whatever, or in an instance of going to law school, I was thinking, is it more value? Am I a more interesting and valuable candidate for law schools? If I have had like held a job with the federal government for my time through university and was a um, section editor at my school's paper, and then I got pretty good grades, or is it worth it for me to give up those things and just be an eighth plus student? Like, which makes me look better. Like, I think you should diversify what you do in university, um, even if it is maybe to a slight detriment of some of your grades, because I think there's a lot of opportunities and experiences to be gained at university that like are just more interesting. Mm. Make you like you can put on your CV and stuff. 
because like lots of people. Okay, get I need really to. What does CV stand for? CV is just like I don't know. Curriculum even know what it is. vitae. It's another word. <laughs> it's like a resume. Yes, I just went. It's, yeah. it's just a resume, basically. It's like yeah. a resume but longer. Yeah. So I think I didn't need to again be cognizant of the time, but I know like I would say Cassandra for the first time since you started school this past semester yourself. I think you're. You have chosen, and correct me if I'm wrong, but to balance just working your butt off for decent grades and starting to prioritize, like, no, I do work, you know, you are at Starbucks, you like climbing, you, and it gives you, you know, health physically is good for you, mentally, climbing's good for you, you know, you're going to be taking some time to ski. Like, I think for the first time since you've started, like, I feel like you've, the grades are not the be-all, end-all. It's your life and finding the balance between grades, going to school, and finding some harmony in the other places of your life. You've kind of finally realized is more important than just grades. Is that a fair statement? I would definitely agree with that. I would definitely say that at some point learning the value of quality over quantity is a great skill to have and I think I've done that this semester. And do you feel though now that you've you know you're putting some more time into like climbing or going out and just taking a brain break with your friends and walking away and saying I've done what I can do do you feel like you're actually grades are better? Yeah. Yeah, at some point, like, I think it's really important to know when it's more important to do, say, five hours of good quality studying where you're not looking at your phone and you're not talking to people and you're just nose down getting the work done, opposed to eight hours of half-assing it. Yeah, but to kind of wrap it up then, um, both of you, what would be one thing you would tell your 18-year-old self heading off to university the first year? I would probably say be a little easier on yourself. A little? Maybe a lot. Everything eventually figures itself out, so being kind to yourself. Being kind. Yeah. What about you? I would probably say something similar to myself at the time. Um, I don't know. I would also tell myself to just, like, focus on doing whatever uh, feels right. Because that was, like, a big part of my motivation to transfer schools was because I was just, like, this doesn't really feel good f for me and... You should do, I think you should do what you want, what you think that you want to do and what feels right to do. Because regardless of like how much you're maybe going to get paid um, to do a certain job or the career options that it will create for you, the thing that you really want to do is going to be the thing that you probably do the best. Yeah. And it's going to give you all the most options. If you're a money motivated person, then maybe that makes more sense for you to do that if that's your goal but I mean for me I got to like 
engineering school and thought I wanted to be an engineer until I met kids who like really wanted to be an engineer. <laughs> really, and then really I looked around and I was just like, maybe not. <laughs> are these my people? people? Is this what I really want to do with my life? Can I do, is this the thing that I can do the best? Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. And that's why I kind so of shifted gears. Joy though, like overall, you're glad you made the leap into going to university and I mean I feel like you've both grown a ton mm -hmm. um, absolutely right? I have no idea what I'd be doing if I wasn't in university I feel like I would have a lot less friends a lot less of a cool life a lot less experiences under my belt yeah there's so much like I think university is definitely not for everybody but I really think that if, if you have the means to do it, I think that everyone should try. Even if you don't know exactly what you want to do. Because my perspective was that like going to university in your first year is a great place to figure out what it is that you want to do. I, at the time when I was working like in a warehouse before I graduated, I was like, and wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. I was like, I am, there's no way I'm going to learn what I want to do here. Facts. Yeah. Putting boxes away. This isn't teaching me anything. Do you know what you said to me in the summer? If you're going to university just for the school, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which was my whole... That was the whole reason I moved. Yeah. Well, I think me. that's just the... From a parent perspective, that's just it. Like, the academics is just one part of mm -hmm. what... Where you go to university to learn. It's all the other things you learn your strengths you know as a friend you learn you know to pay your rent you learn to go get groceries you I mean these sound like very minimal but when you actually have to f build that time into studying and working and doing your laundry and navigating Costco and not spending $500 at Costco mm -hmm. you know or or even learning how to party right and who to party. party with or or choosing not to party right mm -hmm. it, it's safe. so much more than just learning to produce a paper or writing an exam it's the whole experience that really i think i know i wouldn't be the person i am today if i hadn't gone away and mm -hmm. graduated university and, and i still think it teaches you to be a lifelong learner and I hope that's not just through books, but through experience as well. Yeah. yeah. Your time and experiences with me and Cassandra on no Don't problem. Mind Our Mess. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, everybody. Mm -hmm.